The Fitness Reborn podcast is a companion piece to Renaissance Fitness personal training. This podcast is to serve as educational and entertainment purposes only. It does not in any way constitute as medical advice. If you have a medical concern, please seek out your provider. Welcome. This is the latest episode of the Fitness Reborn podcast. My name is Sean from Renaissance Fitness Personal Training, where we put movement ahead of workouts. And my guest is Kathy Jean-Francois. She's joining me from, I think you're, you're based in Queens, New York. Is that right? That's correct. Queens, New York. All right. Well, Kathy is a blogger, an author, and a self-described recovering depressive. And thank you so much for joining us, Kathy. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much for inviting me, Sean. I really appreciate it. Yeah, not a problem, not a problem. I saw, I saw, I read up on you just based on your profile. It matched us together, and this, I saw a lot of what I like, um, and it really kind of, I feel, really gels well with the podcast because I try to incorporate, I try to be very inclusive when I talk about things about fitness, and obviously mental health is mm -hmm. big. Mm -hmm. um, it's, I think it's a big part of anyone who is into fitness at all, actually, yeah. and um, so just to take it away here, I like to just start from the very beginning here. I like to have an origin story here because I've read stuff about you, but people listening probably don't know a thing about you. So I like to kind of go to the very beginning. So just take us take us on uh, from the very beginning. How did we get here? Okay, sure. No problem. I would love to. Um, so I have been suffering with depression for years without having done anything about it until my sister was like, we need to get this under control because sometimes I would be um, so upset. Sometimes we'd be sitting there talking and then all of a sudden I burst into tears for no reason at all. There was really no reason. And um, well, and even I didn't understand what my depression was about. I didn't understand that I was going through depression. And so my sister finally suggested that I see a therapist and she even looked one up for me. And that's when I, that's when I first was introduced into therapy and then fast forward a few years. And then I, I no longer had a job. I quit my job after my father passed away and I became a, and this was, I was working in publishing at the time and I, I became a substitute teacher and that didn't, ha that didn't give me any um, insurance medical insurance. So I had to stop with the therapy. And so I became, you know, depressed all over again. And, you know, th these bouts of depression, I didn't know how to get over. And slowly, little by little, my sister, who is a fitness enthusiast, she started working out a whole lot. And, and she was, she suggested that I work out too. We, we happen to be twins and we go to what's called the twins festival every single year. And my sister would tell, and the, the idea of the twins festival, we want to look as close to, you know, as twins as possible. We're fraternal. So it's we fun. make, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. So we do everything we can to make sure that we look exactly alike. And my sister <laughs> would tease me saying, I'm working out and you're not, and I'm going to look really fit and you're not, you're going to look all pudgy. And, and I was like, oh man. So that's what motivated me to start working out. And I started working out on, and, and mind you, before I started working out, I was a, I, I, that's when I became a, a, a teacher. After a while, I, I, I was a teacher and all my focus was on teaching, lesson planning and all that. And I really felt like I had no time to work out. And so I said to myself, okay, let me start working out maybe 10 minutes a day. And I use a program called beachbody.com mm -hmm. and yep. they have the 10, a 10 minute trainer with Tony Horton. And I was like, right. I'll do that. So I started working out every day for 10 minutes. And I realized that, um, I had more time than I really thought I did. You know, I would spend like 15 minutes getting myself ready for the workout, 10 minutes working out. And then after that, I would just lounge about. And I was thinking to myself, wait, a, I, I, all this time I thought I had no time to work out, but I actually do. So I started working out a little bit more, a little bit more every day. So I would, I would up it to 20 minutes and then 30 minutes. And then I would really, I would do probably 20 to 30 minutes, like three times a week. And on the weekends I would do like an hour or so. And I did this consistently and I started noticing my body changing and I would really like what I saw. So I started working out more and more. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I'm going to say, like maybe eight, nine months to a year later that I was like, I really haven't 
been that depressed as I used to be. Mm -hmm. I haven't had any fits of crying. I, I haven't really been down on myself and, and hating myself. And I realized that it was the part of the reason was because I was working out and with working out, you know, uh, all these trainers that I was, I was doing with the beach body program, they say all these positive things and, you know, you really have to take time for yourself and, and really, believe, really believe you can do these things. And that sort of like made me, you know, sort of have better ideas and thoughts about myself. And so my mindset was beginning to change. And I really feel like that it was, it, and then I started listening to more positive self-talk. I started listening to inspirational videos and mm. all of that stuff. And I think it was me starting with working out 10 minutes a day that shifted my mindset to really believe that I can do 10 minutes a day or more. And, and I think it just took off from there really, really organically. I didn't, it, I didn't set out to say, I didn't set out to be like, um, let me do all these things so that I can see how I can battle my depression. It's just all these things fell into, into place and I was able to, you know, battle my depression without medication. I no longer took medication because remember I had been off of my insurance. So I no longer took medication, but I was still feeling really good. Mm -hmm. so that's how it happened. Yeah, it's interesting you say that you did that all without medication. Now, I can tell that with my own history of depression, I've been working out consistently for almost 20 years mm -hmm. um, with my own depression. Now, for a time, I was on medication. I was taking um, a sertraline. Mm -hmm. um, it was prescribed, you know, it was, it was a low, low strength sort of stuff mm -hmm. um, because I guess it wasn't that severe. It was like moderate depression, mild to moderate depression, but mm -hmm. I was taking it. And, um, you know, I don't take it anymore now, but I kind of, I kind of wonder, like, kind of makes me, makes me wonder when you say you had no medication, like, why, why did I need medication then if I have been consistently working out then, you know, mm -hmm. so. Well, you know, I think that everybody's different because when I say that I, I don't take medication, it doesn't mean that, right. um, all that I'm doing is going to work for somebody else. Right. Right. Um, I, I started, so I was on medication for a while and I was on Soloft and I, I like to term, I, I used to call it, oh, they're my happy pills. And, right. um, but I, I really feel that maybe it was me being on medication for a while that helped me get into a mindset. Who knows? Mm -hmm. I think it's just different for everybody. And I feel like it wasn't just the, it wasn't just just working out that helped me with battling that depression every single day because I you know I still get depressed obviously mm -hmm. and and it's still, it, I still reach very low points but I think it's my mindset shifted and I think it wasn't just the the medication I'm sorry the the working out but it was everything else that I was doing I started meditating every mm -hmm. day and all of this was like really because of my sister. She was a positive influence on me because she started doing all this stuff. And I was like, hey, let me do this stuff too. And at first when I started meditating, I I didn't think that it helped me. I was just like, oh gosh, this is not working. But I think it was my consistency with meditations, positive affirmations, um, watching all those positive videos of you know people telling you how great you are, you could do this and all that stuff. I think all of that combined to help me, but it started with my workouts. It right. started with my movement. Right. And I've had a similar experience with meditation myself. I mean, it's one of those things that you're not going to get any kind of instant gratification from. No. You really have to stick with it. And I, I've done it off and on over the years. And, you know, I've thought about getting back into it recently too. But, you know, it, it can it can work. Yeah. If if you really dedicate yourself to like fitness, it can work once you really dedicate yourself to it. But I think a lot of people will go into it thinking that, you know, your first time through it, after 20 minutes, the universe is just going to completely open up and you're going to be a-okay. And I yeah. think that's I think that's why a lot of people drop off. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I completely agree with that because I wanted to at first. I wanted to. Well, I also want to say that it's so important that um, you find uh, a support system, I guess. 
because I wasn't doing this on my own. Like I said, I had my sister there with me and we're very close to two of my cousins, Jude and Marie. And um, so we formed like a group, like, okay, so let's, let's every morning, let's get up early and meditate and do this and, and talk about our experiences. And, oh, and then we even went into like a fitness challenge where I, my cousin Jude and I were, were a team and my, my sister and Marie were a team. And then every day we'd work out and then we, we'd write it down. And so we, we competed against each other. So I really think that it's important that we find a support system as well, because yeah. I did this with all of them. And. And, and I, I managed to keep it consistent because of them. Right. Yeah, I think the support system thing is probably the biggest component of all. I think it's probably what gets lost a lot of times um, in terms of fitness or well-being at all. It's like you really do need to have the right group of people around you. And maybe kind of now thinking about it, maybe that's kind of where the depressive aspects for me were kind of playing into it because I didn't, I didn't really feel like I had much of a support system. Okay. And back during the time when I really was feeling out of depression, I really don't feel it much now. I still have my ups and downs. I still have these, you know, these um, bad thoughts that come in every now and again, that kind of like kind of take me down a notch or two, but yeah. it does, it's not very long lasting I've noticed mm -hmm. because I think I've gotten to a point now where I know how to deal with it. But um, yeah, support system, I, did, I never much really needed it for the fitness part of it because okay. I've always kind of had a lot of intrinsic motivation and nice. it was, it, it's become habitual now. Like it's, yes. I, if I don't, if I'm not active enough, I've noticed this like on days where I'm not really at the gym, it's just kind of a day I don't go. If I'm not active enough, I can feel my body kind of reacting. It's almost like withdrawal. It's like, <laughs> you, you need to do something. You need to walk or yeah. something. You need to get some energy out, you know, because we're not used to this loafing around stuff, sitting, yeah. in, sitting in front of your laptop and doing this that and the other we're not used to this you need to get up and be active right. but right i but it's terms of like the um the depression side of it i didn't really feel like i had very much of a support system i mean mm -hmm. during my during my times when i was most depressed i was married at the time mm -hmm. but the circumstances were not good i didn't feel like i had i had people who are empathetic towards me mm -hmm. but not really supportive with me i mean mm -hmm. You know, no one who could really jump in the same boat with me, right. you know, you know, so I think the fact that you had that is great. And I'm, I don't want to get too deep into me, but um, the fact that you had that is great. So you said that you said earlier that you responded well to the positive affirmations and the saying, yeah, you can do this. You can do this. Do, do you think that, you know, when you were younger, did you not have that sort of thing? You know, have people telling you that and kind of just bolstering your self-esteem and stuff like that? I didn't feel it when I was younger. I really didn't. I, I, I didn't like myself. Right. I didn't think I was any good at anything. I thought I felt like my mother was always against me for everything, always out to get me. Um, I didn't have a very close relationship with my sister. Uh, I, I wasn't as uh, popular in school as my sister was. So I didn't really feel like I had anyone, anyone to talk to. And at that time I wasn't as close with my cousins as I am now. But, um, so I, I, I feel like, I feel like I, I, I was all alone in the world and I, yeah, it was, it was, and I think that we all do have people there to support us, but as depressives, we stay in our heads. Yeah. Right? And we believe these things about like about the world and about ourselves and about other people that are are not necessarily true. But I think that's the illness that is um, really messing with us. But as I said, when I when I was younger, I, I didn't feel like I, I had a support system at all. And and because of that, the, the depression really took hold of me and and it really, you know, um, took me away from. The, the the possibility of 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 releasing myself the pos possibility of of getting better until my sister reached out and and she was she didn't know how to help me and the only way she didn't know what what comforting words to say to me she didn't know how to help me because i didn't know what i was going through so i couldn't really explain it to her or communicate it with her and um she's the one who first found a therapist for me and it was because of that, uh, of that particular action that started my, my road to recovery. 
So what what is your depressed? When did you? Well, let me rephrase that. When did you first realize? Or when do you think you first started to realize that you suffered from depression? So I've been really, really reflecting on this the past few months, and I really I feel like it started around when I was twelve years old, um, and because I'm thinking like prior to twelve years old, I'm thinking of myself in school, and I was I had friends, and I was fine. And then it was around 12 years old where um, it, I I was kind of, I wasn't sexually molested. I, I I don't know what the right term is for it, but somebody, this guy, this boy touched me, you know, in the wrong place. And, um, and I, I held on to it. I felt mm-hmm. ashamed about it. I felt, um, you know, he, he, he touched me down there and then he said, he whispered in my ear, like we were hiding, we were playing hide and seek. He was behind me and then he grabbed me down there and I was like, oh, you know, can you just like lift your hand up? Me being naive, I didn't even think about it. Like, right. oh, it's just low there and he needs to bring it up. And then he put it down there again and said, don't worry, I won't tell nobody. And I was like, ew, and, and, and I ran away from him. And um, I remember, you know, gathering, everybody gathering together again all the people that were playing the game and I and I told I told on him <laughs> you know I was 12 years old I didn't know any better I was I was like he's the one you know he's the one in back you know this is what he told me and then I remember punching him like don't ever do that to me again and I was really quite proud of myself um for for standing up to him like that but then after that that you know after my initial anger and all that subsided that's when the shame set in and right. I, that's the first time that I remember hating myself. That's the first time I remember thinking of myself as so stupid, too trusting, um, and, and, and just really always crying and depressed. And I was going into the sixth grade um, at that time. And I remember in the sixth grade, I was always crying for something, for anything, for nothing. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's where it started. And it's it's not like I harped on that particular moment in the in the coming days afterwards. But but I I feel like ever since then that's when I first started hating myself. Mm-hmm. And I think that's I think that's where it started. So around eleven, twelve years old, because prior to that I was just this really shy but happy kid. And then after that I I, I wasn't very happy. I've often found that's the case, like people who are victims of sexual violence and sexual abuse. It's strange, though, that how they turn their hatred towards themselves, mm-hmm. not the person who violated them, but towards themselves. Because we blame ourselves. Yeah. So if we weren't in that particular situation, then that wouldn't have happened. And society blames victims, too. They just don't want to admit that as well. Yeah, yeah. So... The first recognizable fits of depression and crying for no reason, for what looked like no reason, mm-hmm. were traced back to sixth grade. So how did that impact your life going from there? I mean, I know it's a large question, but mm-hmm. kind of looking back now as an adult, so do you see how your life was just kind of irrevocably changed and how you know things took a direction then it different than it otherwise would have been had it not been for that one incident? Yeah. Um, It was then that, you know, I I didn't like to go to parties anymore. Um, I I didn't like going out. Um, My sister, as I mentioned, my sister and I are twins and my sister liked going to parties. And my mom was like, well, if you're going to a party, then you're going to, if she's going to a party, then you're going to a party with her. Even though I didn't want to, I was forced to go to these parties that my sister went to. And so I, I would get really, really angry about that. And I, what I would do is like sit in the corner by myself, like really pouting, really angry, wanting to go home, but giving everybody an attitude because I wasn't home. And as soon as I got home, I was fine again, you know. Um, it, 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 and a part of that, when I got older and became a teacher, you know, everybody's always like, oh, you know, summers are are great for teachers, you know, what are you gonna do? And I never wanted to do anything because I just wanted to stay home. I didn't want to go out. And any time that I did decide, okay, today's the day I'm gonna go out, I felt like some invisible force was keeping me inside. I, It was almost as if I was scared to go outside. I didn't want to talk to anyone. I didn't wanna see anyone. I, would, I didn't wanna hang out with anyone. I just wanted to stay home. And I feel like 
even though that wasn't a direct result of what had happened, I think it over the years it grew into that. You know what I mean? It turned into that. Mm-hmm. I I really feel feel like that, and 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 I've been in therapy for the past I don't know what ten years. I've been in therapy, and one of the things that I've worked on in therapy is, you know, my going out and, and talking to people, being social, you know, and, and understanding that it doesn't have to be a big thing. But in my right. mind, I made it a big thing. Right. And you're naturally introverted already, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because so am I. And so, you know, even just doing stuff like this mm-hmm. was kind of a big step forward, even though I was excited by it and mm-hmm. wanted to do it, mm-hmm. you know, that uh, that natural nature or natural nature, that <laughs> that inclination to really just kind of be holed up. And I kind of made a comment back to this on my Facebook just recently saying there's two types of introverts. There are those who use their introvert introversion to hide from the world and those who don't, you know, yeah. so. But uh, yeah. being being naturally introverted anyway, I mean, you were just kind of one to stay home and not go to parties in the first place. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's interesting because that that was I was that type of introvert who used my introversion to to stay away to hide myself, and now and doing all these these podcasts, you know, and mm-hmm. putting myself out there on my blog, that those were very big deals for me, you know. Yeah. And even after every single podcast that I do and and I tell about myself and I say what happened to me, after it, I go through a little bit of anxiety and I'm just like, right. I might have said too much. I said too much, you know, like why did I have to <laughs> say all that? I go through that. But then also I I, I, I don't mind sharing my story. Right. But after I've shared my story, then I'm like, what have you done? Yeah, Diarrhea right. of the mouth, you know? <laughs> right, yeah. I think we all go through that, honestly, especially those of us who are going, going towards more of a public uh, public life. Yeah. Um, now I did kind of, I looked through a lot of your blog, um, mm-hmm. Kathy's cross. Yes. I looked through it and uh, I read a few of your articles and honestly, like the way you write is in such a different way than the way you present yourself because, you know, I don't get the, uh, I don't get the, uh, impression of an introverted person. You come alive in those words and you're, and you're very, you're very outward and you're very um, con- considerate and, you know, you're, it's very expressive. And we, we acquaint, you know, introverted people as not being very expressive, but you are very expressive. And actually, I have found that a lot with introverted people. Um, mm-hmm. Like, they are not, you know, they're very unassuming in person, but, you know, you get them something that they're supposed to take center stage on, like they know they have to do, like maybe it's a podcast, maybe it's yeah. a, a blog, maybe it's singing or whatever, yeah. you know, there is a whole nother side of their personality that just ends up coming out. Do you think like being introverted is almost like having a schizoid personality where it's, it's like flipping a switch, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde in one yeah. second or another, you know, do you think that, do you think it works that way? Absolutely. I, I feel like, so it's interesting. No one has ever told me that, like the difference between how I present myself and how um, it, my writing is. Um, so I really feel that um, one of the things that I believe in is in using your talent to overcome your depression, using your passion to right. overcome depression. And I feel like my writing is my superpower. I really feel that way because when I write things down, write how I'm feeling, um, it helps me. It's sort of like a, a, a release of the things that are, are, are plaguing me. And so I feel that I've used my writing as a way to release all the things that's inside of me and, and help me to feel better. So um, with that said, I really believe that people who are introverts, they have another way to express themselves a different way than not than you know um, being social, they have another way to to express themselves, and and it's a profound way, and it's, it's something that they they can uh, achieve, and something that um, really will help other people get to know them beyond the social level because they're not very sociable people. I don't know if I really answered your question. <laughs> no, no. Um... I think what you said is probably uh, spot on um, because for whatever reason, this person cannot feel like they can be very expressive. They don't feel like they can really, you know, 
mingle with other people and, and be the type of person that they might be deep down inside. So right. they find other forms to release. This is where a lot of artistic um, creativity comes from. It's, yeah. you know, this is why, you know, kind of link it to say people dealing with uh, mental health, severe mental health issues. You know, there's some of the greatest artists that we know of, you know, even if it's something as serene as just drawing flowers is what Van Gogh did. Van Gogh was a very troubled man. Mm -hmm. And so you see, I think ways of trying to alleviate his, um, his mental illness mm -hmm. in the paintings that he drew, like he even said, I would much rather draw nature all day long than anything, um, anything uh, abstract or mm -hmm. surreal or anything like that. So no, I think it makes a whole, whole lot of sense here too. And you know, what, what I meant by that is like the, the way you are, the way you're talking right now, you, I mean, you're very, you're very articulate and you can get your point across very well here too. But you know, on the opening call here, I could, I could see the introversion on the, when we opened up things before we actually went on, on recording here, I could see the introversion here, like, and it just took a, a minute just to pop out of it just a little bit. And I, okay. I, I can identify that with myself here too. It's like, yeah, okay, well I'm here. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. you know, just, just waiting to get going here too. So, you yeah. know, you know, that, that's, that's what I meant. That's funny. Yeah. 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 I, I, I completely and totally agree with you. Um, we, you know, introverts have to have, I, we have to, we have to, well, I, I'm not going to speak for all introverts, but, me as an introvert, I've realized that I have to find uh, a safety in, in whatever I'm doing, right? If I go somewhere, um, I have to know before I go there that I'll be able to leave when I want to leave. Right. <laughs> I need to know where the exits are and I need to know where's the bathroom. <laughs> if I need to exit, if I need to find a place for myself, I, I know where the bathroom is. I'll just spend some time by myself. Um, and I and doing these, these podcasts, I think, um, Doing this is is a way for me to overcome some of the mm -hmm. what I feel can be debilitating, and yeah. so I challenge myself by doing these and talking about this. Right, mm -hmm. exactly right. Now I noticed in your blog, and almost every article you publish, you refer to your depression as the intruder or an yes. intruder. Yeah. Okay, so that's interesting, and that's actually not the first time I've seen that from people who have severe depression or anxiety. Um, so when the intruder comes in, so what's, what's it like as an experience? How do you know that this is, this is starting up again? Um, I feel, I feel darkness. I feel like, um, I've explained depression as a, like I'm, I'm in a dark hole mm -hmm. and I can't quite get out of the hole. Sometimes I want to stay in there. Um, this, this intruder has come to keep me down there. I feel, and I also call my anxiety, um, uh, my co companion, an unwanted companion. Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel that, you know, intruders, intru in intruder invades your life. Mm -hmm. It keeps you from feeling safe. If it keeps you from doing what you need to do at the moment. And <clears throat> I feel that that's what the depression has done for me. I feel like I've wasted so many years because this thing has intruded in my life, has invaded my life and kept me from doing all these things that I would have otherwise wanted to do. And so I, that, 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 that's how I look at it. The unwanted companion, sometimes I call it the depression monster all of these these negative images, these things that come and invade you and and, and, and try to take from you this, this beautiful thing called life and, and and try to keep you from from living your life. That's how I've seen it. And it, when when I feel depressed, I feel like I'm trapped and I'm held trapped. I'm kept captive by this intruder, this unwanted companion, this depression monster. So what does that what does that do to you? I mean, how how does that harm your life? Does it make you unable to go to work? You can't talk to anybody. It's just you don't want to get out of bed. Is that the kind? Exactly. Yes. I I don't want to talk to anyone. Um, I will force myself to go to work. Uh, I have I'm a teacher, so I really feel like I need to be at, at work all the time to be for this 
to be there for the students, but I put on a fake smile sometimes. Um, I, I act as if I'm okay, but I, I'm very withdrawn. I don't talk to the other teachers as, as much as I would like to because I, I keep to myself. But when if I'm home, I will stay quiet. Won't really talk to my husband. Um, I'll 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 drown myself in my work, my writing. Um, or I'll probably just watch TV. But I'll stay quiet. I do not want to go outside. I'm okay if I stay inside for like days at a time. I'm so okay. When the pandemic first started, everybody was like, "Oh, you know, cabin fever." I was just like, "I'm good. <laughs> I have to go outside." But um, but it bec becomes a problem because then I don't want to see anyone. I don't talk to anyone. And I know I need to go outside. I need fresh air. Um, but yeah, when I'm, in a, when I'm in a very low place, I just want to stay in. I don't want to talk to anybody. Just leave me alone. Right. So did COVID just not affect your depression at all? Or did it, did it affect it somehow? Like when everybody went into lockdown, the whole world plunged into chaos. <laughs> so it just kind of rolled off of you or... It, it didn't, it, it did at first. I was good okay. for like maybe two months that I was in and I was doing remote remote learning, remote teaching. Right. Um, and I was like, every day I was like, hurrah with my students. Like, let's get this done. Pandemic has nothing on us. But then in the evenings I'd be drained. I was drained and I felt like, and after a while I, I really did feel like I needed to go outside um, because I felt like What's draining for me as an introvert and a depressive is that putting on that fake smile and acting as if everything is okay. Mm -hmm. And that, that takes a lot of my energy when I'm not feeling it but because I'm acting, I'm acting as if everything is okay. So that, that drains me a whole lot. So at the, you know, towards the end of the day, I, I, I didn't feel like doing anything. I was just so tired and I knew I needed to go outside. And, and I think I did start getting that cabin fever, although I didn't recognize it at first because I wanted to stay in. So it, yeah, it affected me a little bit differently. I was glad not to be going into work every day, but at the same time, I was feeling like, um, I was feeling like I was putting on a, 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 a show. So how do you eventually come up out of it? Good question. And so these days, um, back back when 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 I was at a height of my depression and I wasn't seeing a therapist and I wasn't on medication, I, I don't even remember how I got out of it. I think I think I just stayed days and days and days depressed, just watching movies and and, and you know listening to music and um, and I I wasn't I didn't discover writing. I mean I was writing at the time, but I didn't discover that writing helped me. Um, you know, release all these negative um, emotions. So how I deal with it now, I just, I do write. And I, and I, I, because I have this blog, Kathy's Cross, and it's all about how I'm overcoming depression. When I do get into my depressed states, I think about it. I'm like, okay, this is a great blog post. Let's start writing. Right. And actually that does help me get over um, that, that, that state of depression. Um, also, I'm very aware of it now, whereas years ago, I, I didn't really understand what was going on with me. So I'm very aware of the depression and what and, and its hold on me. And I think because of that awareness, I think it helps me get out of that hump a lot easier. And so I know what I need to do. I need to continue my workouts. I need to continue writing. And uh, oh, I'm feeling really bad. I'm having these negative thoughts. Uh, I start, I put on my headphones and I start listening to all these positive self-talk, all these things to make me remember, you know, wonderful things about myself. So I, I have all these things in my tool belt that I use in order to get out of depression. So in other words, I'm very active about it now. I, I, I take action. Do you think depression is different for a black woman and for black people in general? Yes, I do. Um, we have a, black people, people of color have a lot of other issues that they need to contend with, um, more so than, than, than non-people of color. Um, it, it wasn't until a, a few years ago where I, I realized what people talked about how 
Black people don't go to therapists. Black people don't seek help for therapy. They just pray, go to church, you know, um, and because that was just not something that was discussed in the community. And I didn't realize that. I know that I didn't, I never discussed it because one, I didn't understand what I was going through. And two, I was, I was quite ashamed of it. But I think that, you know, having to, to deal with how people may view us and taking, believing or not believing in ourselves based on what other people view us, I think that that, that is its own burden. Um, in other words, going to a store or something and having the people who work there follow you, you know, and not in understanding why they're doing so, but still being angry about it. We take mm. that with us. Um, anytime I go on a job interview, or I speak to people, I speak a certain way to let them know that, even though I, I have this skin color, I am very educated. So that takes, that's draining in and of itself. Right. Um, I think people of color do suffer with depression differently than, than others. I can't speak for everybody. Um, ever since I was in, ever since I was in high school, I've gone to predominantly white schools. I went to, mm -hmm. uh, the, the, you know, the Mary Lewis Academy, which at the time was predominantly white. I went to Hofstra University, predominantly white. So I carried myself a certain way in, in the presence of others, kept to myself. I made sure that I found places at school where nobody would be hanging out so that I could park myself there and study and do what I needed to do. And and I, I never made any friends, but, and I think that was partly because, well, there aren't many people of color to talk to. And two, well, I don't really want to talk to anybody. This is a scary situation for me. So without speaking for everybody, I'm speaking for myself. In a way, I kept all of that to myself, understand that I needed to carry myself a certain way in the presence of others because I needed to show that I wasn't like, what the what they would consider the typical black american or something you know right um, and so I, I i feel like i i took that with me and that drained me as well again putting on a show right right now i noticed in your blog you you wrote an article about your father and in, in his memory uh you made note of the fact your father was a very introverted man himself he was very taciturn and you know not just he was had a quiet way about him, yeah. but you know, you found out later on that he was much more of a boss than you realized. Yeah. You know, he, he was he was born in Haiti. Mm -hmm. He moved to the United States, mm -hmm. and despite you know all of the what you might consider debilitating factors like one, be, just being black; two, not knowing the language; mm -hmm. and three, having very minimal education. Mm -hmm. The fact that he was able to actually in his own way, triumph yeah. against all those odds, yeah. you know, and still personally being a very low key guy, yes. you know, not Muhammad Ali, not going out there saying, I'm the greatest, <laughs> you know, yeah. to everyone he meets, yeah. you know, you, you drew a lot of inspiration from that. I did. And, you know, when I, when I reflected on that, when I thought about what the accomplishments that my father achieved, I was like, blown away. I was like, I wish I knew this. I wish I realized mm -hmm. this when he was still alive. And I wish I could talk to him and, and tell him what I'm going through and, and, and have a, you know, an adult conversation about it. And how did you do it? How, how were you able to do it? And, and at the same time, I feel like, well, you know, my father, not to, you know, he's, he's a man and mm -hmm. society says that men need to take care of their business. They need to take care of their family. And I think his mindset was like, I have a family, my introversion or whatever it is I'm going through cannot interfere with me taking care of my family. So right. I really feel like that he, he had that, that mentality. He was such a hard worker, such a hard worker. And, um, he really believed in education and he really believed in us as a family, um, you know, he, I remember, I don't know if I wrote it in that blog post, but I remember he looked at me and my sister and he's like, I thought if you came, if you went to school in America, I read you would the, be something. I and read I, that part. Yeah. yeah. And that was just like, first, I didn't know how to take it. I, I felt a little offended, but then I understood where he was coming from because he right. came all the way from Haiti, hardly knowing the English language and look what he was able to do. He put all three of his kids through, um, Catholic high school and then through college. I mean, 
with somebody who had barely a high school education and coming here, I, I, I'm blown away by my father. So he, he was able to put whatever he was dealing with, he was able to put it aside so that he could achieve something wonderful for his, for, for, for his family. And like I said, I wish I could tell him that how much I appreciate that. I wish I could tell him, oh my gosh, I just realized what you did, <laughs> you know, like what you did for us. And, right. You know, so yeah. Yeah, I draw inspiration from my dad. And sometimes I, I, I feel bad that I, I still haven't, I, I'm still not that published author with, you know, a, a great book deal and, and a movie out based on, I, I still feel like I could have, there is so much that I could have accomplished a little bit more if I had not, you know, it catered to the depression and the intro, introversion. But then again, am I, was I really catering to it or did, you know, I could, I could go on and on, but. Yeah. Do you think Do you think your father had any depression himself and just knew how to just had enough force of will to fight through it and just kind of didn't didn't let it dictate his life very much? You know, I feel like he probably did. And, and it was probably not even conscious. He probably didn't consciously try to, you know, put it aside. Again, society said that he had to take care of his family. So I think he just did what he needed to do and right. didn't think about his his mental health in that way. Now, after he uh, retired, we had an unfortunate situation where we lost our house, the house that he paid for, the house that he spent years working hard to pay for. And he was so, so upset about it that he would go off to Haiti for months at a time and not return. And until he, when he returned back, I remember one time he, when he, when we lost our house, he went off to Haiti. So we had to move from one house to a smaller house without him. And then it wasn't until when he came back, we, we took, we got, we um, picked him up from the airport. We came to the new house, him seeing it for the first time. He just, he was just really quiet and he was just crying, crying. And, and, and yes, so I, I really believe that my father, uh, my father allowed his depression to, um, to escape or not even escape. He, he, he allowed himself to be vulnerable in our presence in his later years after he retired. And I think maybe there was a lot of, of mental anguish. Maybe he was really reflecting on a, a, a lot of what was happening, but he broke down and he, I remember him crying because we had lost the house and he didn't, he didn't have to say any words. He didn't say anything. I think he apologized. I think he said, sorry for the way things turned out, which weren't, it really wasn't his fault. But um, my father, if he had been depressed, he did not allow it to overpower him until his later years. Okay. I mean, really overpower him in that display of emotion. We yes. start crying. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. That's uh, what, what did he do in Haiti when he went off to Haiti after losing the house? Do you know? Um, well, he, he, he was a take charge kind of guy. So he bought land over there and he was mm -hmm. trying to get a house built. Um, okay. It never, it never happened, unfortunately. And even after his death, his brother, my uncle was trying to get things in motion so that he could reclaim the land and the property and all that. It just didn't come to fruition. But he, while he was over there, he was trying, he, he used to bring like, he brought like a truck full of, of provisions and all this stuff to Haiti so that he could sell it while he was over there. So he was busy when, when he was over there. He was trying to get things done. He was trying to secure a piece of land for himself where he could uh, spend the rest of his days there, but it just didn't happen. So, so I, I really feel like maybe part of him breaking down when he came here too was knowing that things weren't working out for him when he was over there in Haiti and, and things weren't working out for him here either. So, yeah, I just, I just think that he was just always a very busy person, always thinking, always thinking about the next thing to do, but things just didn't work out for him the way that he wanted them to. You find that's how a lot of people really deal with their depression. They just busy themselves. Um, you know, because I found that, and I found this with myself too, a lot of people, the way they deal with their demons is that they find something to live for, you know, some sort of purpose that drives them forward. So mm -hmm. something that will get them jumping out of bed every single day. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the other side of it seems to be 
the flip side of it seems to be that if you are reliant on that too much and once that purpose is gone, then you're kind of back to square one. You didn't really, you didn't really progress. You didn't really make anything better. You just masked it, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So do you, do you find that often the case or have you found that the case in your, in your, in your own situation? Um, I think so. Um, in, well, actually, if you think about it, all this stuff that I'm doing to battle depression is really right. keeping myself busy so that I won't have to deal with it, right? I think right. so. Like, you know, uh, writing all the time, my workouts, always, I'm always trying to, uh, you know, do, when, I'm, when I'm doing the positive self-talk, I'm listening to these inspirational videos. They're all like things keeping me busy so that I don't think about the depression in, in a way. Right. Well, I would argue that you are also working through it too, because it's it's not like you're out there just typing up any mumbo jumbo you think about. You're you're very much putting yourself on on written word here, and mm-hmm. you're just kind of laying yourself bare for anyone who wants to read it. So I think yeah. I think there is a there's a fine line between avoiding it through busying yourself and using your busy life as a as a uh, point of catharsis. That's that's a good point. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, absolutely right with that. But I wonder, though, I wonder if the flip side is if somebody, the the person who attempts suicide, has it, has it gotten to a point where they don't have anything to live for? They don't have that purpose like you were talking about. I wonder if that's what it is. Maybe they tried certain things to busy themselves or, or whatever or, or some, a purpose to live for. And if that purpose is gone, is that when they attempt suicide? You know what I mean? Well, maybe it's that, or maybe it's maybe it's a lack of flexibility in terms of definition, defining yourself. Mm-hmm. Because if you if you jump from a bridge because, say, your grocery store closed down and you're a grocer, that's how you identify yourself. And now suddenly, you know, you you're driven out of business because you couldn't keep up with demand, or you know, someone else just kind of bought you out, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, that I, that point of identity has been stripped from you, that's and if that's and if that's how you that's how you look at yourself and everything you do, mm-hmm. then that's going to be pretty devastating. This is why they tell people do not uh, sign your personal identity with a job, or you know, with a job especially because a job can go. You know, econ- economy falters, and then layoffs happen left and right, and suddenly that job is no more. So this is why a lot of people say, do not link your self-esteem with your job. So mm-hmm. I think it's, um, it's probably the inability to really be, um, flexible with how you identify yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you say like, well, my grocery store's got closed down, but you know what? I'm good at this other stuff too. I, you know, I like doing this other stuff. I can refurbish junk cars or whatever, right. you know, and I like doing that. And so, that's part of who I am as well too. I can still have that. I think that's. I think that probably plays a big part of it. Right. 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 And I think, particularly, you know, since we're talking about your father, I think particularly for men, that's really a case, mm-hmm. um, because they really, uh, they really link their their um, their value with their professions, and like I said, professions can come and go, and. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really kind of hurts men in general, but it also hurts women too. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that, that's a good point. I wonder, you know, I, I've done, I, I, when I first started writing my novel, who's, my, my novel uh, is about a young woman who's suffering with depression and, and um, she, she tries to understand it more through, um, secrets that her love her her late mother has left behind and um when i started writing that novel and i was, I was using my experience with depression as an i i used to feel like I, I would be like oh i'm in a really low situation right now let me write down how i feel in order to make it more authentic with my with my main character um Oh my gosh, I forgot my point. <laughs> I was, um, what did I want to say about it? Um, you know, in, in, in trying to understand what somebody, what you yourself are going through, I think there's a natural, there's this natural idea of 
thinking of your identity as as what you do as opposed to who you are right, right? and and i that's that's one of the things that i had to um come to terms with in oh gosh i i really lost i really lost what i wanted to say in terms of of the novel but i i i just i just liked what you said about that the the idea of of identity because it's really 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 important that somebody especially men because again with even though society's changing and we find you know there are like women out there who are starting their own businesses who are really boss people um when somebody loses that thing which identifies who they are they are going to feel lost mm -hmm. and it's so important at that point i guess to find that support system or find a therapist find some way to talk about it to get it off your chest to really reflect on it to really to really talk it out and and that's that's hard for a lot of people because they don't not not everybody has that support system not everybody has that person or people that they feel comfortable to talk to or would even they feel like would even understand what they're going through right now you now earlier we talked about you are a self-described recovering depressive so i think we all can kind of we all can kind of guess what that really means but i want to hear from yourself so what is it to be a recovering depressive um, I don't remember. I, okay, so if you think about it, like a recovering alcoholic, right. they they're still considered alcoholics, but they're recovering. They're taking steps in order to overcome it, and that's how I feel. I am. I I still suffer with depression. It's not like I've cured it. You know, I'm not thinking of myself in that in that sense. Mm -hmm. I still suffer with depression. I still go through these bouts of depression where I don't want to talk to anybody. I I loathe myself and all that, but I do know that I'm taking steps on a daily basis. It's not just one and done. I'm taking these steps on a daily basis to to make it habitual, to make it a part of my life, to understand myself and understand that everything that I'm doing is going against this this inclination I have, inclina inclination I feel to be down on myself. Does that make sense? So I'm recovering every single right. day I go through it. Every single day I go through it. In right. No, that makes perfect sense. And that's kind of what I got from it too. It's like, like you said, being a recovering alcoholic, you are never not an alcoholic anymore. Once, you, once you're addicted to the alcohol, it's there for life. It's just a question of whether or not you are giving into it. Mm -hmm. And so, which is why things like Alcoholics Anonymous are so popular because it gives them exactly what you just said. There is, it gives them that built-in support system, that sense of community. Yes. And, and you're around like-minded people who have the very same problem that you have and it just gets that much easier too, which is, which is why I think it's, it's as effective as it is. Mm -hmm. And so when you're a, depre a recovering depressive, I think it's the same sort of deal here too. Mm -hmm. The more people you surround yourself with who can actually um one one they can empathize with you that's that's the big thing but two they actually know how to pull you out of it and i think er, like i said earlier that was what i didn't really have i didn't have anyone who could really relate to me i didn't really have anybody who knew how to really get me out of my stupor mm -hmm. um and you know i think maybe it had a lot to do with circumstances being what they were because like mm -hmm. i said it was not a it was not a good marriage. Mm -hmm. So maybe just Can I get... ask you a question. Sure. Do, do you um, currently uh, take medication or do therapy or anything like that? I don't currently take medication or therapy. I did do therapy um, off and on when I was in the midst of the worst of this. Mm -hmm. um, it was kind of a struggle to really get, get with anybody who I could really connect with, mm. you know, I was with this one guy and we, we got along just fine. We kind of talk, talk shop, you know, mm. but the sessions were just like not really going anywhere. Mm -hmm. You know, he's a nice guy, very conversational, but I didn't really feel like it was really going anywhere. It was like, we were just kind of sitting there just shooting the breeze, mm. you know? And I don't know, I just kind of lost, lost interest. And maybe that's not his fault. Maybe I just kind of should have stayed with it longer. I don't know, mm -hmm. but it's just, yeah, therapy didn't really seem to pan out very well for me. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
and no, I don't do it right now, and um, I don't take any medication for it. And I see, I, I feel like I'm doing pretty okay. Um, I don't have days where I'm just like I feel like I'm chained to my bed, and I and I can't. I can't muster enough energy to go anywhere and do anything and to interact with anybody. I mean, I'm introverted, so I'd much, much rather just kind of keep to my own company a lot of times anyway. But, you know, I do like, and that's kind of the odd, the odd um, paradoxical thing about introversion. It's like, you're interested in people. You're, a lot of things about people interest you a lot, but you don't feel like you can really connect with them very yes. well. Or you, uh, you just kind of like, you keep them at arm's length. Yep. You know, yeah. I, uh, I think that's, I feel like that's kind of universal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I agree. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's me in a nutshell. So yeah, recovering, uh, recovering depressive, I think, um, in terms of like recovering alcoholism, I think it makes a whole lot of sense. It's a daily sort of thing, right? Yeah, yeah it is. Right. right. So, well, let's talk about your literary pro your, uh, projects. So you started talking about your book. What's your book about? And does it relate back to your, your own depression? Yeah, um, I started it. Oh, gosh, I started it about 20 years ago. <laughs> and it's been, uh, and I put it on the back burner when I became a teacher and I picked it up like years later again. Anyway, um, it, I had wanted to really write something that was meaningful to me. And, and at first I wanted to write about a woman who has issues, mental, not, not mental issues, but just issues. And I remember my cousin saying, well, everybody's got issues. And I was like, okay, so I have to really, um, really specify what's, what's going on here. And, and very early on it, it, it I realized that I was going to use myself as, as, uh, uh, as my, my, for my, my main character. So, like I said, like anytime I got into a real depressive mode, I would write it down, remember it, uh, so that I could make my character really authentic. And it, and, and it started out as, as a woman who's just suffering with depression. Um, she found something that her mother had written and now she wants to know more, but I, I changed it. And, and, you know, there's a love interest in there and she's cheating on her man and all that stuff. But I, I made it into something that I feel like it's, it's more of a literary work than, than a commercial novel in that I, I really want to emphasize like all the characters in that novel are going through their own form of depression. Um, but my main character is really trying to understand why she's going through what she's going through based on the way that her mother used to treat her. And then we find that her mother, you know, suffered with depression because of something that she had done in her life. And um, I and I really felt like this was such an important topic for people to understand that depression is not just something that you get over. That was my main point for writing it. Mm -hmm. And um, it, the, the depression is something that you need to work through. It is an illness. It's a chemical imbalance. So for many people, it can be a triggering, uh, something that, that, that was triggered. And because when I was growing up and I was go going through all my depressive moments and I didn't understand what it was, people would be like, get over it. Like, why are you still crying? Get over it. Well, mm -hmm. you know, what's wrong with you? And that was my main reason for starting it. The depression is not just something that you can get over. You need to really work at it and go through some hard stuff gotcha gotcha so in the near in the upcoming future what's next for you is it uh continuing to work on your project and continue blogging uh, yeah yeah so i i want to continue with the blog i really enjoy that and i really feel that um it's like i said it's my superpower every time right. i write it down i just feel a little bit more powerful <laughs> um so and i'm and i'm currently looking for an agent for my novel so I've sent that out to a few agents and I'm about to send it out to a few more agents. And uh, I started working on a new new novel that ha doesn't have anything to do with depression. It is about uh, twin sisters who, well, I sort of based it on my sister and myself. Right. <laughs> twin sisters who, who, who go on a journey in finding out, um, see, not secrets, but finding out the, their parents' past in an effort to help their mother who seems to be suffering with Alzheimer's. And um, it, it's kind of dark. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. you know, my, my mom suffered with Alzheimer's as well. And, and so I, 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 underst 
you know, in, in that perspective, you know, it's, it's, it's painful to go through that. It's to, to see your, your mother like waste away and in a shell of, of this person who you used to know. And so I kind of wanted to explore my feelings about that and it in a, in an entertaining way, um, in, in using these two characters to do that. So I'm looking forward to working on that. I started working on that last year. Sounds great. Sounds great. Well, all, all, yeah, all the power to you. I think, um, oh, your blog, has your blog gotten a lot of positive responses? Um, have you heard a lot? No. Well, yes and no. There, I find that I have a few people who read it consistently and are always telling me, oh my gosh, Kathy, you're so brave for doing this, for writing mm -hmm. this. And, and oh my gosh, that's exactly what I went through. And I didn't realize what I was going through. So the the few people who do read it respond to me in a really positive way. And so I'm trying to get more readership for it. And I just don't feel like I'm promoting it as much as I, as I can be, but, um, I'm, 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 just, I'm working on that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, I mean, from what I've read, um, and I didn't read any, anything approaching the entire blog, but I've yeah. read quite, I read a few articles there and it's, it's great stuff. And so, yeah. yeah. And you, I can tell you, you're, uh, you're not holding anything back. No. Maybe you are, but it doesn't seem seem like you are. And so I, I'm so transparent. Sometimes I <laughs> sometimes I tell myself, okay, yeah. pull it back a little. <laughs> <laughs> and again, again, that's the uh, the oxymoron about being introverted. Like yeah. you're being transverted, uh, being um, transparent on uh, an online platform, yeah. but being not very transparent. <laughs> when you're uh, standing in front of somebody, exactly. right? So, so, exactly. uh, yeah. So, you know, it's a, it's a weird world that we live mm -hmm. in and people are very complicated. So, yeah. but uh, maybe everybody should blog. Maybe if everyone did so, blog, maybe there'd be such a better understanding of who you're actually dealing with. I know. Right. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> All right. Well, Kathy, as we start to wind down here to one thing I like to ask my guests at the end of the broadcast, um, if there is something that people listening to this could walk away from, if they remember nothing that you said about everything we talked about, and it's very relevant to a lot of people because depression is, I think, at all-time highs, mm -hmm. uh, medication for depression, all-time highs, and especially mm -hmm. let me, in the era of COVID, which we're starting to come out of, mm -hmm. God, it just went bonkers. Yeah. Um, but... If there's anything that walking away from this podcast you want people to remember the most, what do you think it would be? Find an outlet, some type of creative outlet, maybe um, doing something like working out, uh, do something to, to help you through whatever it is that you're going through, your depression, whatever. Find an outlet. That's what I would say. That's a, that's a great, uh, that's a great um, message right there because that's kind of how I got started on my journey as an adult. My fitness journey was dealing with my, dealing with my mental health. I went through a breakup. It was unexpected, totally knocked me off my feet and, you know, I needed something to get, get me through it. So I started walking. I mean, I, one day I got up, I went to the park. I wasn't prepared to walk. I was wearing my normal street clothes and I just yeah. walked. I just walked aimlessly around this park for three, four miles total. Mm -hmm. And it, and I th came back feeling great. And that was the jumping off point to everything for the last 20 years. Awesome. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh right. Gosh. Right. So it's, it starts out as small as that. You mean yeah. you, you, you talked about starting 10 minutes of working out, yep. you know, and, and yeah. from there, from there, it escalated even further. And, you know, you start feeling better. You start feeling good. And you, you see the physical gains. That always encourages more. I know. And, and then, you know, you keep going back for more, 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 more. And it's just, it becomes very exciting. It's a pro, it's a process of self-discovery. Absolutely. I agree completely. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and it's wonderful. And it's wonderful. Oh, all right. Well, Kathy, Kathy Jean-Francois, thank you so much for joining me. And thanks for bearing with me through a lot of the you know unexpected things that kind of delayed our our interview here no problem no problem <laughs> it was well worth it i mean i had a really this was a really great conversation so thank it, it, you. It, it really was and i'm very grateful for you to divulging things about you that many would find just too unbearable to really talk to with someone you just met an hour ago i know <laughs> you know so it's um it's a it's a great thing and, and I'm very 
I'm very um, gracious to you for opening up like that. Thank you so I, much. I, I think a lot of people hearing it will identify with it. Thank you. I appreciate that. I, I really do. No problem. No problem. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you again. This is the latest episode of uh, Fitness Reborn. Again, my name is Sean from Renaissance Fitness Personal Training. And um, this is uh, Kathy Jean-Francois, author, blogger, recovering depressive. And Kathy, thank you so much again. My pleasure. It was My pleasure. Awesome. And uh, I'll put contact info blog all the stuff in the show notes okay. you know how to read your stuff they can get up people can get a hold of you if they want to okay. and um don't forget of course um i have you can contact me through social media i'll post that as well as always in the show notes don't forget i'm also offering online courses here i've got one i'm working on right now it's going to be on neuromuscular uh training very important stuff very cool stuff it's going to impacts your entire life, whether you really realize it or not. And especially as you start getting older, it's going to impact it even more. Yeah. So yeah, I'll be on the lookout for that. All right. Thanks so much, Kathy and everyone, everyone. I'll talk to you later. Peace out. Hey, thanks for listening. Don't forget you can become a supporter of the show by becoming a monthly subscriber. No commitments. Cancel anytime. Every little bit helps. And I'd sure love your support. Also, you can click any of the links to our social media platforms provided in the show notes, and you can email me at renfitnesswarriors at gmail.com. That's ren, R-E-N, fitnesswarriors at gmail.com. If you got a fitness story to tell, I'd love to hear it. You never know, you might just find yourself on the show. Until next time, train hard. Peace.